Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for listening to The Business Sphere. Don't forget to share this episode and subscribe. My guest today is Ken Russ, a blue-collar entrepreneur and author. He never went to college and in, instead succeeded and built his own businesses in the trades. Ben Ken believes blue-collar jobs can be a path to success that many overlook. Thanks for joining me today, Ken. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So I'm excited to have this great conversation, but before we start, I would love for all the listeners to know a little bit about your expertise, how you became who you are today. Well, I'm basically in the construction business. I've gotten involved in several, several different things over the years, but quickly the way it started, when I was 15, my high school shared a fence with an industrial park. And after school as kids, we would walk through a hole in that fence and we'd go through the industrial park to the carryout just to hang out after school. That's what we did back then. So, but I always walked, when I would go through this fence, I would, I would see all this activity and all this energy and things that young kids liked, you know, like dump trucks and tow motors and backhoes and jackhammers and, you know, people milling around. And so finally one day, you know, I knew someone that had worked there and I said, Hey, what do you guys do here? And he said, well, we're basically ditch diggers. And I said, well, I can do that. You know, I need money like anybody else I, for my first used car, take my girlfriend out for pizza, maybe go bowling with my buddies or whatever. So I, 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 I signed up and I, I dug a lot of ditches in the summertime. And um, in, when I wasn't in school, when I was in school in the winter, uh, I would go in the office and work to kind of learn the whole thing. So just a few short years after that, I was 19 years old. I was thinking about college or not to go to college. Um, in my eight, summer of my 18th, uh, year when I was graduating, um, I, I just remember the, the the owner came to me and said, hey, look, at you know a lot about this business. You've been here. We're going to open up franchises around the country. Do you want to be involved in that? So I jumped on that bandwagon, did that for three or four years, made a lot of mistakes with other people's money, as they say, and then uh, settled down in my own office eventually in Toledo, Ohio. And we started with six people. And we have nearly 200 today. And it's been quite a ride. Wow. And so right now, how many years has it been that you've been in the same industry? Well, um, I hate to say this, but it's like 43 years now. Wow. So <laughs> it's, it's been it's been really interesting. It's been great. I wouldn't have changed anything for for uh, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have done anything different. But 43 years in the same profession, in the same trade and with all this disruption of technology and with all what's going on, you're in trades and trades don't have as much change, right? So I think people have to realize for all the listeners that I know everyone wants to get, you know, to go to school, to get a formal education, to learn about the fastest, brightest AI, the greatest speed of internet and different softwares and crypto and NFTs. But in reality, if you simplify life to trades, you still have a great opportunity to be successful. 
Yeah, you know, it's, it's great that you say that because I actually have a sticker on my computer that says simplify on it. And I've had it there for probably 10 or 15 years. And again, the greatest part about being in the blue collar field today is it's the supply of workers is shrinking so drastically and the demand is increasing. And for anybody who was paying attention in high school, okay, Econ 101, supply and demand, you can't mess with. It always works. And um, so where supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes. You know, so that's just one part of it. The other thing is that people don't realize about blue collar careers is, you know, it's different than sitting on the 15th floor of some office building in some cubicle where you don't know, you know, you, you're just part of a big machine and you're not quite sure how you fit in. Um, and you kind of work for Friday, right? When you're in a blue collar field, you get to control your own input your own output, you get to control the quality of that, you get to control your time, your schedule, and many times you get to control your financial gain. So when you look at a blue collar career today, a lot of the same characteristics and benefits are the same as they've always been. It's just now you have a better opportunity to make a great financial life for yourself because not many people are willing to do that anymore. And I, I love you saying that because I deal with, so my agency is digital marketing and I deal with a lot of trades from plumbers, roof contractors, general contractors, electrical people, con uh, concrete contractors. Everyone in the trades needs a digital presence. However, there's labor shortages. There's always a supply demand issue of good quality professionals to do the actual work. And if you provide a unique selling proposition or you're a go-to provider that does really solid work, reputation solid, you understand how to price and serve clients, you'll have a successful thriving business that will, will endure any peaks and valley and any changes of the environment, right? So- Well, yeah, and, and, and another good point there is that because it's so hard to find good qualified people, Companies are having to drastically improve their cultures, their hiring cultures. Yes. You know, we have in our place, we have a private chef who drives around in a van and feeds our crews on site. Okay. We, we, we talk about all the different types of celebratory things you can imagine, you know, birthdays and anniversaries and weddings and babies and all those kinds of things we celebrate. We have lots of contests and we have music and and color and goal setting and um, you know a, a lot of driven, focused, team oriented kind of stuff. And I've noticed over the last few years, because of the shortage of workers, a lot of other companies are now asking me, "Hey, what do you do? How do you do this or how do you do that to improve the culture?" Because you know it, you can find some, but retaining them is a whole other story. So. The other benefit right now is if, if, if you got, you know, if you're willing to look someone in the eye and give them a firm handshake, God forbid you're early to the interview and you have a good reason for being there, you're going to get like lifted through the vortex of, of uh, you know, promotions and whatnot a lot faster than you were before when you were competing with a bunch of other people. So just another reason to go into our field and, uh, and really make a great life for yourself. And so what are some of the things that you've seen over the course of 40 plus years in terms of not just your clients, but your, your employees, because retention is so important. You, you nailed it 
taking care of the culture, the values has to be in line. Timing has to be right as well. And the goals, right? Like I was able to learn a lot of this in corporate to then implement in my own company. And I really feel that the staff make the company. The people in the company are what, you know, is perceived in the outside world, right? Of how you're gonna, you know, be, be taking on new clients, how you, your reputation is. So what have you done differently in the course of 40 plus years and what have you seen? Well, you know, it, it's, it's pretty interesting how this evolved. I call it like, it's almost like there's a, a, a three-tiered uh, confluence that's working against our, our industry right now. And basically it started in my mind, it, you know, in, when I was in high school, every, every high school had shop classes. You could walk past the wood shop, the metal shop, the mechanic shop, the home economic shop, maybe even a hairdressing shop. You, you could do all these different things and you would almost accidentally discover how great some of these fields are. Well, you know, they took a lot of those classrooms away and they put computers in those rooms. And I have nothing against computers. We have to learn that stuff. I understand that. But why did it have to be a binary choice, meaning one over the other? Why couldn't we have had both? So you've got that one problem. Then you've also got the problem that when I was younger, we would go in the backyard with my buddies or my brothers and we'd build a tree for, you know, hammer, lumber, nails. We'd just go do it. Well, now kids are building houses on Minecraft on their cell phones. And that's not the same experience. You know that. So if you have that coupled with the shop class missing and then, you know, colleges, I have nothing against college, okay? If you're going to operate on my shoulders so I can get back on the golf course, I want you to know everything there is to know about a knife before you pick it up, okay? And, and certainly that goes with teaching and engineering and, and you know, uh, architecture or, or handling money, whatever it might be. But colleges are really good at marketing themselves in a way that make parents think, I have to send my kid to college or he or she will never amount to anything. So now you have those three influences working together to really hurt our industry. However, if you're the contrarian thinker, okay, when everybody else goes this way, maybe you should go that way. And now's the time to do that because you're going to make a great life and you're going to make a lot of money in the, in the blue collar world. Yeah. And, you know, choices, right? Um, we're very fortunate here in Western culture to have the ability to choose um, the career path that we decide and the upbringing of how to evolve your child, right? Education to, you know, curiosity to, to play or work or, you know, play on devices or whatever it is. Sure. And parenting is a huge component of it all, right? So, you know, when, when you're you have children, I would imagine, and you're bringing them up and also your new employees who are probably different than their peers, right? Because most people will say, I want to go to college. I want university. I want to be a doctor or dentist or whatever, right? I want to be an engineer or nurse or whatever, sure. which is fine. But there's only so many of them that say, I want to be an auto mechanic. I want to dig holes for a living. I want to play on a truck. So as a parent, what do you say to those type of people? Because, you know, there are, it's okay to be different as well. 
Well, you know, th this is getting so bad. In, in my book, Blue Collar Cash, I talk about the, the blue collar crisis that we're experiencing right now. And it's so bad that I actually wrote an, I, I wrote an open letter to parents a couple of weeks ago. It's on my website at KenRust.com. And in the letter, I said, I understand your thinking, okay? Um, I, I'm a parent too. So I understand that you gave birth to your child and you fed your child and you clothed them and you protect them and you sheltered them and you housed them and you did all those things and you educated them along the way. Um, and now you think that in order to complete the parenting process, I have to get this kid into a college and get him or her a degree. Well, that's where the, the formula kind of falls off the map because if you think about it, 167 million people work in the United States today. Let's just take the US. About 77 million of those people do something with their hands. So nearly half the people are doing something in an infrastructure way or some supportive role. So we can't put 167 million of our future kids into college or who's gonna do all these things? I mean, you can't go to, you can't get out of bed, get dressed and go to work without probably crossing over a hundred blue collar jobs along the way in some way, shape or form, whether it's the door you open, it's the car you turn on, it's the, um, the, the, the road you drive on, okay? The bathroom you use, whatever, the building you go to, you can't cross it um, without crossing a lot of these blue collar jobs. And I just think we need to get back to what economies need, which is a really proper balance of yes blue collar workers and, uh, and um, white collar workers as well. And I love this discussion because parenting and the way perception is. Um, and a lot of people want to take the easy way out, right? They know how hard it was for the first generation, second generation immigrants, and they want a be easier life. However, is that teaching your child the best thing for opportunities, because like you mentioned, there's low supply, right? Huge demand for these jobs. So your competition level to get into field, to get high paying jobs, to move up the ladder, to support your lifestyle, right? It's a lot easier when there's less, you know, challenges, less competition. But when you're going into this new AI world and everyone's going into computers and learning about Minecraft and all that stuff, everyone's also trying to gravitate towards that. So what do you say to parents on that front? Well, I look at it this way, okay? In the letter I wrote, just so you know, it is okay if your child doesn't go to college. In fact, if they learn in a tactile way or in a hands-on kind of way, it's better off you don't send them to college, okay? Just, just consider this for a second. Let's assume you have a, a, a college and that college costs you $40,000, $50,000 a year all in. Room and board, books, food, travel, everything. Tuition, the whole nine yards. Over four years, that's $200,000. If you don't have an absolutely good reason to go to that school with a, with an, a specific job waiting for you on the other end, that's $200,000 in debt you're going to have to pay off. Now, you can start right now in a blue-collar field and earn $50,000 a year in an apprenticeship, cost you nothing, okay? Now, in four years, you've earned $200,000 a year. That's a $400,000 swing in your asset base by the time you're what, 23, 24? 
I mean, that's enough to get you started on your first house, your 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 cars, your your 401k program, um, whatever you decide that you want. So you at least have to consider that math, parents, before you automatically send someone into school, especially if they don't have a really specific reason for going there. And you know, they come out the other end with a lot of debt and you know, maybe they're good at beer pong or something like that, but um, they just get one of these bland degrees that they never use. So it, it's just a consideration. And all I'm saying is have an open mind, look at all the options of which there's probably five or six ways to be successful. And we'll talk about the vision of that, I hope, because you have to start with that in order to make the best decision in which path to take. Yeah, and, and that career choice is so, you know, when you're 20, you're really young right? In the world of living and life, right? It's all about experiences. And it's all about like, living through different jobs, different people, different perspectives, learning. And at that age, to decide on your career path, 5, 10, 20 years down the road is very difficult to predict the outcomes. And it's even, you're not even sure. So just to give you a perspective, I had 20 different jobs before I went into college. And it gave me a huge perspective of a little bit of what I liked, what I didn't like, who I like working for, with the type of personalities, type of industries, type of work that I like. So it's all about trying to figure out what's best for you based on your, you know, what you enjoy doing, right? What do you sure. look forward to every single day to say, I, I want to be an expert at this because this is this. So the, that planning, like you mentioned, that vision, that goal setting, a lot of people don't really understand it when they're in their 20s and they don't have guidance. They don't have people in the same, you know, circle to give that advice that they need because their circle of influence is peers, their friends. And most friends have parents that will just pay the ride, right? It's different when you're blue collar, I would imagine. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting point because we all have these choices, but I, I believe that in, in the book talks, most of the book is talk, talks about vision, okay? Now, when you talk about your dream vacation, you say the word dream vacation. Dream means that you're envisioning this in your mind. You're thinking about, you're building pictures about this in your mind. Every one of us is really good at planning a vacation. We, we, we anticipate the beach or the ocean or the beach chair, the, the beach towel, you know, your, your umbrella, your sunglasses, your bathing suit, your sandals, your drink, your music, you anticipate that and you can't wait to do that five or six months in advance and you plan it impeccably, okay? Well, why shouldn't life be like that? So many of our kids are living this if-then life. If you go to high school and if you get good grades and if you get a a scholarship and if you get a college degree and then if you get a good paying job then you can live your life well i think of it as entirely the opposite of that i want to know what my then is now i want to know what I, what my want my life to look like first you know how do i want to live what do i want to live in where do i want to live um what kind of car do i want to drive okay a pickup truck a, a van uh, a car an electric car a scooter motorcycle whatever right what kind of pet do I want? A dog, a cat? And if so, 
What kind, what color, what would you name it? What's my give back moment, my charity? What's my hobby moment look like? What's my vacation moment look like? Draw all that out in really clear detail, understanding that you probably will never pull your car out of the driveway, put it in drive, and then not know where you're going. You always have a destination in mind. You always anticipate going somewhere. Why shouldn't our entire lives be like that? Anticipating all these things along the way, because when you anticipate something, you kind of draw yourself to it. Your brain is very powerful in that way. So let's start out with a really crystal clear vision of what you want your life to look like. And then you can choose one of five or six different ways to get there. One of them being college. That's amazing. And the clarity that you have to have and the mentors, the coaches, or the people within your circle, because the circle of influence plays a huge role on deviation in terms of life career choices, decisions that you make every single day, the people that you surround yourself with, and it could be good and bad, right? Because one wrong mistake can set you back some years or time as well. So trying to figure that out and the earlier you're able to do it, the better it is. So how you do know, you- I, there's, a, there's an interesting uh, study done, done by the University of Virginia Tech and they took a hundred people and they said, raise your hand if you have real clear goals. Um, in, in, you know, in the very near future. Only 20 of them raised their hand, okay? So let's move them off to the side. Now you've got this 20. Now they said, okay, tell me specifically about these goals. And what they found out was 16 of them were just kind of hopes and dreams and wishes and maybes and some days. Move them to the side, four left, okay? Of the four, all four of them decided to actually write them down in a crystal clear fashion, Okay, but three of them then stuck that piece of paper in a drawer somewhere, hardly ever looking at it. One, and only one out of 100 in this study, decided to take that piece of paper, put it up on the wall, look at it every single day, and, and like live that whole process. Well, they interviewed those people later in life, and they found that they made nine times more money that one person than the other hundred, okay, in their lifetimes. Now, to me, it's not necessarily about the money part as it is being driven, okay, having that entrepreneurial spirit in you, which we all have, by the way. And so I, I, I can't impress enough on parents how important it is to ask your kids, what do you want your life to look like? And then let's pick the best path to get there because there are several and you know, you and only you know which one is right for you to uh, to make that happen. Uh, that's amazing. So let's uh, take a little pivot on um, the business itself. So I know you mentioned digging, it's construction, I would imagine. Um, yeah. And how did you pivot away from, you know, that franchise model to starting your own? And why? And how did that... Um, you know, begin and how did you grow it from there? Well, first off, I decided I was tired of living out of a suitcase when I worked for the the the, uh, the franchise. I actually own two of their franchise currently. Okay, I started from scratch because back then it wasn't like you opened a McDonald's and you know ninety nine percent of the work was done for you. You just had to learn how to run it. And then just go open it and people would just flood into your, <laughs> into your front doors for cheeseburgers and french fries, right? So 
we had to start from ground zero. We had to start from scratch, but we had a method, we had a, a process, we had a patented process, and, and, and we used that in, to improve homes. So we started with six, we built it all the way up to 200. But along the way, I was able to do the other things that I've always wanted to do, which was I invested in other construction companies and in other businesses, okay? I was either actively involved or passively involved in those things. Now, when I say that, ditch digging was probably number 99 on the list of 100 things that I thought I was going to doing, be doing. I, I'm, I believe that because I wanted to be a race car driver, okay? That, that's what I wanted to do. So you remember the old cartoon Speed Racer? Well, that was me. I wanted to be that guy. So the point is, is if you keep those dreams in the back of your mind, then as you get to be able to afford to do those things, they come back. I mean, I have some cars now, you know, I race them um, a couple, three times a year. I get my racing fixed. You know, I go to the track and we do all that. And it's, it's a blast. So the point is, is you can start somewhere, work your way, even if it's a business that isn't exactly perfect for you. I mean, if you think about it, we don't, we don't live to work. We work so that we can live. And as long as you have that clear vision in front of you, you can start on a job that maybe not, of other, not a lot of other people are doing, make a lot of money doing it, and then invest in other things along the way to the point now where, you know, they call me this business entrepreneur. I mean, thank you for that, but, you know, I, I'm not special. I mean, I can teach anybody to do this. So it, it really is something to, to, to start with that vision and to work your way up through the construction industry and then just have these things kind of happen for you as you know, keep your eyes and ears open and these things happen. And I love the fact that you're mentioning, like you can start anywhere from the bottom. Don't start thinking you're going to be the owner or you're going to be like the business owner that's been doing it for 20, 30 years. You have to start and get experience, learn the ropes. Um, like you mentioned, you bought into two franchises and it was all about learning the systems processes and building the foundation to start your own, to then learn and make tons of mistakes, I'm sure, to then hire more and have better systems and retention of clients and staff and all these things. And it's still that evolution of it's never perfect. And it's always going to continue growing and learning. It's that whole evolution of business ownership. Yeah, this is a really good point because, you know, I started at the bottom at, at the, the most entry level job there was. And I'm so glad I did because now I have a complete understanding of what it takes to retain someone to do what I did. So I always say this at my meetings, I can't get what I want, nor can this company get what it wants or needs until all of you get what you want and need first. And it's absolutely true because they are the input, okay? They're the beginning of this process. So for me to be able to understand what somebody goes through in the beginning of that process, it was invaluable. So I'm glad that I started at the very bottom. I'm glad that I kept my eyes open and worked my way up through the company and then ended up in my own business because now I can create a culture that's really cool that people want to come to work at and we retain people and we have a lot of fun doing it, but I understand what they go through. And I can also teach them and I can, I can teach them, you know, financial gain and the power of young money and all those really important things that you wish 
you know, you, you don't want to wait till you're 45 and go, oh my God, I wish someone would have told me that, you know, when I was 20. So it, it's a, it's a real joy for me to be able to give back in that way for these, these younger people and um, to help them figure out a good way, you know, to make life happen for themselves. And I, I and you mentioned great things like context and perspective and you being able to live it before that, that roller coaster of the ride, right? That you were on because people then will respect you. They understand that you've actually lived it as well. And then they will listen because you've lived through it. So giving that guidance. And I, I wanted to ask you, like, did you have people, mentors, coaches, or people that you looked up to that you gravitated towards in your circle of influence from family or other employers that you had to, you know, really learn from? Because it's hard to learn on your own, everything. Yeah, I would say this. I was, I was just always pretty aware. I used to mow lawns in really nice neighborhoods, and I'd kind of look around and see what was going on. I used to work, you know, my boss was pretty successful and he had me do a lot of things for him, you know, personally. And so I got to see how he lived and my father, you know, he was a really hardcore, tough Marine. And he would say, Hey, I did it. I made it. Now you guys go make it on your own. So there was that drive. And he kind of put a little perfectionism into us when we were younger kids and, 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 and that, all that stuff was really good. But I need to say this when it comes to being an entrepreneur and people say, Oh man, you know, you're lucky you're that entrepreneur guy. And I'm like, well, okay, but let's talk about that. You can't, you can't take a crayon and a piece of paper and draw entrepreneur. I mean, you, there's, you can't draw that, right? Other than to write the letters down maybe, right? So entrepreneur, in the book, I write a lot about these characteristics like persistence and resilience and faith and courage, initiative, um, you know, charity, um, humility, all these types of things. Well, I look at it this way. Every one of us, if given the chance to create a drawing of what we want our life to look like in crystal clear, colorful, vivid fashion, every one of us has those characteristics of being an entrepreneur inside of them. They just need a reason to come out. They just need a reason to wake up and go, okay, now I'm going to energize. So if, if you can, you know, you find me one kid who I can work with, who I can get a real clear vision with for what he or she wants for their life, you're going to see entrepreneurial spirit awaken in them. And it's going to be like, wow, Ken, thanks for helping me do that. Now get out of my way and let me go do it. It, it really is amazing how, how little credit we give ourselves for the ability to be responsible for ourselves and make things happen for ourselves. Like we have to be at the effect of all these other people. I mean, who but you knows what you're passionate about? Who but you knows what you'd be good at, what you'd like to spend time doing? Who but you knows what you want your life to look like and the best path to get there? So rely on yourself. You know this. And um, look for those mentors. And this is going to be really good for you, especially, like I said, in, in the blue-collar side of things. Nowadays, anyway. And it's hard to get self-motivated. It's hard to see and look at hindsight and a couple of years down the road, right? So it's good to be in alignment with people that you want to be like. And this is why I learned in my early days as well. Like my circle of influence, I'm an immigrant from, you know, Vietnam. My parents left the war, resided in Canada, and we didn't have that circle. 
of people. So for me, it was ultra curious. And I was like trying to learn and observe professions, careers, niches, industries, and yeah. trying to figure out like, oh, that nice car, who's driving it? How did they earn it? What did it take? And that's the curiosity. And once you start trying to figure out like what triggers people, what made them become who they are? What are the values? What were some of the habits? What were some of the perseverance, like hard work and determination and grit and all that stuff? But people still got to put in the work. It doesn't happen overnight. And therefore, when you start having these goals and visions, you got to put together a roadmap. You got to figure out what you need to do to get you closer to that end goal, right? And have milestones within it. And these are things that a lot of people don't, really understand when they're 20 or when they're just starting their career? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's really important to ask yourself often, why am I doing this? And you just alluded to that, okay? You, you constantly, you know, people say, well, you got to work hard. Okay, why? Yes. You got to work hard so you can get somewhere. Okay, what does that mean? Well, so you can start making money. Okay, good. So now I have this paper in my hand. Now what? Okay, well, then, you know, you, you need to move up in life. Well, draw that. What does that even mean? Okay, I mean, these are all these old, you know, adages that you've heard as a kid. Well, in my mind, if you don't have a picture in your mind of where you're headed, a really clear picture, okay, hard work is going to be great. But if it's not hard work motivated by something, it's probably going to peter out at some point or, or level off. You know what I mean? So I, I always think that, you know, vision is, is something that makes somebody driven. Whenever you hear them say, well, man, that guy or that gal, she's really driven. What does that mean? Okay. What it means is they know what they want exactly. And they know where they're going and how to get it. And, and, and I think that's the difference. We stop in today's society. We stop at the platitudes. We stop at he's driven or she's moving up or they want to get ahead. We stop at those platitudes because they don't mean anything. Okay. People think they do, but without an absolute clear, like, I want to know what kind of pickup truck you want. What color is it? What brand is it? When are you going to buy it? How much are you going to put down? How much are you going to save per month in order to make that happen? And I want to know the start date and the end date. You put that together. And I, I want you to tell me the day you're going to pick this up. I don't care if it's five years from now. You put that kind of goal together, now you're on to something. That's amazing. And these are, you know, uh, you being an entrepreneur started from the bottom to where you are today, and then inspiring others, making an impact on the employees and other people, writing that book, it's inspirational. And it's really clear to me that, you have a roadmap, you figured it out. Because even in today's society and world with all this news and you know whatever's going on, you really need to focus on present life and being in control of what you can control because everything else is noise. And people get distracted. Oh, shiny object syndrome. Oh, I want NFTs and crypto because I heard a friend make yeah. thousands of dollars, but no one talks about the thousands of other people that lost their, you know, everything, right? Life savings. So having clarity on that and then understanding what really it takes. So, and I really still feel that it's that circle of influence. 
where you are the average of five people that you spend the most time with. And you really need to figure out what your roadmap looks like. What are your smaller goals? And it could be, I want a car. I want a home. I want a nice vacation. I want to X, X, X. I want to have financial freedom. Why? Like you mentioned, so that I can travel. I can do sports. I can do things that I've always wanted with my family, right? Why? So that these memories are cherished or whatever, these experiences. So all these things are, it takes time to learn, right? And I'm at a different stage than you are because I'm not there yet, but I'm learning and I'm curious. And that's why we're having this conversation, Ken. But I love it because it makes you wonder like, okay, what's next? What's my five, 10 year projectory? And I just put together a 10 year roadmap for my company. And I, I put these different goals for each employee. And I do semi-annual goal sessions with my client, uh, staff, right? So that gives them clarity on personal and business goals and initiatives. So I, I'm doing things that I know work for me and I'm implementing it. And it's having, I'm having fun along the way. You know, th this is such a powerful tool. And it, it, in our office, we have these, these huge black plastic or black glass boards they're they're big boards and they're mounted to the wall they're kind of like kind of like those those boards you see in front of a restaurant with the multicolored letters on for the margarita special of the day okay so we have giant boards like that and the goal that i just mentioned with the pickup truck the, the clear concise specific goals those are written by our staff on these boards for everyone else to see so once you put a goal up there you're committing to this thing and everyone else knows it. There's a begin date, there's an end date, and there's like a $42 a week savings for this or whatever it might be. And it's, it's specific, right? So now you have this circle of influence of people that are seeing you, a, 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 you know, getting something and then they're motivated to do it as well. The thing I would caution about circle of influences is this you have to make sure that your circle of influence is actually moving you forward. So it's great to have a circle of influence that does that, but you need to recognize one of two things, either A, I really don't have a circle of influence. So therefore I'm gonna do this from here, okay? I'm gonna make this happen myself or the circle of influence that I have isn't supportive. They're like, man, I, that's risky. Yeah, I don't know if you should do that. You know, maybe just, be safe and stay where you're at, you know, don't try to go after it. That's not supportive either. So, you know, circle of influences can be very important as long as they own the goal as much as you do. They have their hand on your shoulder so that when you trip and fall or stumble, they pick you up. If you want to turn around, they push you right back down the path. You know, you can't get off. So it, it's it's one of those things that um, they're, they're either very highly um, effective or they can be detrimental and you have to know the difference between the two. And it's great that you're mentioning this because family can be positive or negative. Friends <laughs> could be positive or negative. Right. And therefore you might need a different circle of influence. And like you mentioned, your employees, your staff, the culture that you're building, the community that you're building. It could be a couple people that hold each other accountable or people that you can envision that will push you along guide you, give you support, uh, inspiration, right? And have milestones and check-ins. And, and this is where the focus group is, masterminds, having 
people that are on the same page, having full clarity of what they want is so in, important in people's lives. And I didn't learn about this uh, until I was probably in my late 30s, right? I didn't even know it existed, but I was kind of doing it, just picking people that I kind of wanted to be like, because I, I found them very, you know, successful or whatever. So sure. it was interesting how people, you know, figure it out or they have, if I was able to know there was access and resources and people like me out there, I would go and pay for that. It's like, it's crazy, but a lot of people don't even know that this exists. You know, um, if in the book, Blue Collar Cash, and I encourage everyone to get it. Um, if you only read one chapter of the 10 chapters, I write a chapter called the Someday's Club versus the Two Dayers Club. And I kind of, I'm a golfer and I'm, I'm a member of a country club. So I kind of liken this example to two different country clubs. One of them's called the Someday Country Club and one's called the Two Day Country Club. And man, you want to talk about the stark difference of the membership that belongs to the Someday's Club versus the Two Day Club. It is unbelievable the, the actual either lack of effectiveness or total effectiveness of those two different groups of people. And obviously the two dares club is smaller because not as many people are willing to do, you know, to get involved in doing something right now. And just to give you a quick example, if, if, um, if someone walks up to you and says, hey, you know what, someday we should do lunch. Well, you should whip out your phone and say, how does next Tuesday look? When you do that, they'll look at you like you're from Mars because nobody does that. They just kind of blow it off. And yeah, someday let's do that, that'd be great. See you later. So the, if you just read one chapter, that's the chapter to read because it literally will change your life the minute you read it as to how you start thinking from this moment forward. And that's amazing. And it's crazy that you're mentioning this. I, I haven't read your book, to be honest, but I've been implementing these things like every Friday, picking up my contact list and say, let's go for coffee this day, right? And it's just trying to reconnect and kind of just get in the loop of catching up. But I'm very, you know, trying to make sure that it's in my calendar yeah. and I do it, go for lunch, go for whatever coffee, whatever it is, just so that I'm taking initiative. And then I'm at fault for not doing anything. I'm not relying on anyone else. Right. So it's like doing these little subtle things have, you know, it made me become way more accountable and feeling way more, I don't know, full, I would say, versus success. Success, I don't even know what that meant or means, but for me, it's all about being full in family, relationships, experiences, everything. And that's more important in my stage in my life currently. My, my, uh, one of the guys that I used to work for had a sign on his desk and it said, you create everything in big letters you create everything that happens. Now, most people would take that as a very positive motivational sign, and they should. However, if you're not getting the result that you want, if you're not getting the things that you want to have happen, if you're not exercising discipline and hard work and initiative, then you are creating the life you don't want. So, be very careful how you look at that sign, because if you truly create everything that happens, then you create the good and you create the bad, don't you? And that's why I say it's 
it's something that we really need to take stock in because most people stop at, you know, the psychological platitude of go get them and set a goal and do those things. But that doesn't mean anything if there isn't a specific roadmap. You know what I mean? Uh, like, like what, what am I doing? Where am I doing it? How am I going to get it? How, am I, how much money am I saving for it? When am I going to complete this thing, start and finish? And like I said before, the power of vision. You, you'll know this because you probably have friends, and, and, and I'm speaking to anyone now. You'll probably have friends who say, when they're, when they're telling you a story, they'll say, do you see what I mean? And they'll say, do you know what I mean? Do you see what I mean? Do you see what I mean? Well, what they're asking you to do is they're asking you to try to visualize the pictures that they have in their head as they're telling you the story. You know, do you see what I mean? And, and that's what they're asking you to do. So they're trying to get you to visualize what they're trying to say in picture format. There is nothing more powerful in the human brain than the ability to visualize something and then go after it and get it. That's just my opinion. I don't have any college degrees. I don't have any letters after my name. I certainly don't have any training in life coaching, okay? Although I consider myself an involuntary life coach for a lot of times with people, but <laughs> it, it, is, um, it is amazing to me the power of vision and how that can move your entire life in a positive direction. That's amazing. I, I love how you have taken what you know and enjoy the process, right? And making an impact on others. And, you know, as we become more wise with experience and you're noticing a lot of different people's perspectives and how they judge things, they say things, they, their work habits and whatever success or not success, it's, it's like you have control, right? Everyone can do what they want in life. They can absorb whatever content that they want. They can read books, they can watch, pod, listen to podcasts, watch videos, go on news sites, social media, whatever. But if you spend so much time absorbing and not doing and taking action, then what's the whole point, right? Like a lot of people will just get stuck on writing it down and saying all these things, listening, absorbing content, but never doing anything with it. So what do you say about taking action on holding people accountable? Because that's probably the last final stage, but I think it's the most important starting stage of it all. Yeah, now I'll say this. In the book, I talk about the five steps. The first one is to congratulate yourself because you're now starting to think like that one out of a hundred. Yeah. You know, if you go to set a goal, a real crystal clear goal, and you go to like, you want a new car, you want a vacation or what, safer house, whatever. Congratulate yourself that you're now thinking differently. It's almost like when a smoker quits and they say, okay, I'm now a non-smoker. I just decided that right now. It's the same thing. Congratulate yourself for thinking differently. Identify the goal that you want. Crystal clear, draw it out, make sure you can see it. Um, then start to put the path together. Like, you know, I want to buy this car. I'm going to save $100 uh, a week for the next year for a down payment. That's the path. Those are the steps. Then you actually go to your payroll clerk and you put this into action. Hey, payroll clerk, can you take 100 bucks and just put it into that account where I can't get to it? And 52 weeks from now, I'm going to come back and ask you for that money so I can go do this thing. But then the next step is that one of the most important ones is that mentor is sharing it with somebody else. You know, what I remember when I was younger and I, my first time I jumped off the high dive and I, I write about this in the book as well. You know, 
we were used to jumping off the diving board that's three feet off the water. And, you know, there were several other layers. And one time I went up to the 10 footer and I was young, probably six years old. And I remember as I'm climbing that ladder, I'm getting nervous and I'm looking down at my buddies and three or four of my buddies were down there and they're all like, you got this, you can do this, go do it. So then I, I step up on the board and I'm walking towards the edge and I'm like nervous. I'm holding onto the rails. And then you get out to the end and the board starts doing this a little bit, you know, it starts moving. And I looked down at those guys and they're like, you got this, you can do it. And then I finally, I launched, but I don't think I would have hit that water if it weren't for those guys, for, for my buddies. So, you know, holding, holding yourself accountable is real simple. You know, you've got a January 1st and you've got a December 31st. Those are two really good times to reflect on where your life is going. Now I do it all the time, but if you only do it once a year, to, you at least will know, I'm gonna look backwards. Did I progress at all last year? Did I gain anything last year? Because if I didn't, then what I'm currently doing isn't working or that goal isn't good enough. It doesn't drive you, it doesn't get you out of bed thinking about it. So, you know, be real cautious on what goals you pick. You have to own them, want them. You have to have to complete these things and then put someone on your shoulder with you to help take you down that path. You, you'll certainly be glad you did. And you'll become a goal crushing machine uh, if, if you employ that type of stuff. That's, that's amazing. Realistic goals that are achievable, having milestones and growing, right? Like you always constantly need to challenge yourself and reflect. So during my meditation in the morning, I'm always looking at how grateful and, you know, that gratitude, um, you know, slowing down and living presently and all that stuff. But a lot of people just don't do it because they're busy or there's an excuse or whatever it is, right? It's so important to really have that state mentally, clarity, and slow down because everyone's rushing and they don't even know why they're rushing and what they're rushing to. And if you slow down and figure out like, these are the pillars, this is why I'm doing it for that end goal. And if you slow down a little bit because everyone's rushing, you'll get there faster, quicker, and it's more strategic, right? And you'll enjoy the process versus being stressed over certain things. Yeah, that, that is so important. That's a great point that you made because if you anticipate all these different things, vacations and, and whatever, you're going to anticipate them at different time frames. Some of them are going to be immediate goals, like I could start working out today. Okay. Some of them are going to be long term ones, like my 401k program. Some of them are going to be um, medium, like one, three, five, 10 year things. But if you anticipate all these different goals, it actually frees you up to have time to be more present. You know, it's the people that have the stress and the, the angst and the fear, and the, they're always chasing something, you know, they're trying to pay a bill down, or they think someday I'm gonna get this, so I'm just gonna keep wishing for it. Uh, that's, that life is a lot more stressful and unproductive and unrewarding. So you can have five or six goals going at the same time. I know I always do. And, you just kind of follow life because once the goals are set in stone, you just kind of breathe and march your way toward them and they happen. So in a sense, the more you do from a long-term perspective, the more freedom you have to be present and to be spontaneous. And I write about this in the book, comfort, peace, and freedom is what you're after, okay? 
we're not all going to go after mansions and yachts and 15 cars and become music stars or whatever. You know, God bless the people who can do that. There's no doubt. But when I have people make these drawings, they're all very, very different, but they don't all have huge houses. I mean, some people have a really cool, calm, comfortable, peaceful, and free nirvana that they're going after. And, and that's perfect because now you have this ability, as I said, to be very present, very calm, enjoy life, be spontaneous, and, and do those types of things um, that sometimes we miss out on. And being realistic. And I love you mentioning that because people always want to be the next Bill Gates or they want to be like Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, any of those billionaires. There's only so many of them in reality in life, right? And there's millions of others that are just content and happy with fulfilling their smaller goals and desires, right? So play with that. And growing up, I always wanted to be an NBA superstar. I saw Michael Jordan. And then yeah. quickly when I didn't make the high school team, I realized I had to pivot. I had to figure out another career choice and aspiration, but I enjoyed that hobby. I realized that I'm not going to be a star, but I can still enjoy the leisure aspects of having fun. And so you got to be realistic about everything you do and not you know, go crazy, I would say. Well, yeah, you know, I just talked to a gentleman who's in the, uh, he's in the basketball industry, the, the NBA industry. And um, he was a real interesting guy. And one of the things that he said was, I think there's like 350 NBA players in the entire league, okay? There's probably 3 million people that want that job, yep. okay? So you have to think about it. You know, if you're going to be an NBA player, you're going to be an NBA player. I mean, if it's in your DNA, if it's in your, if it's in your life plan to become LeBron James, that, that's probably going to happen. Wayne Gretzky or, you know, Romano Rivera <laughs> or, you know, a lot of these, um, these, uh, these sports figures, you know, um, Tiger Woods or whatever. Um, they're, those people, they, that was like their destiny to be there and that's okay. But you have to think, and, and you use the term realistic, if there's 3 million people going for 300 jobs, Odds. that's tough. That's <laughs> tough. So you got to have a plan B and that plan B better be, what am I going to do for myself in, in, the, in, the, you know, in the event that that doesn't happen, right? And, and even those 350 NBA players, there's only 5% of them earning X amount more than minimum, right? Yeah. Yeah. which is survival for a lot of real jobs, right? Like, yeah, right. and they only have a duration of a couple of years, right? Sure. So if you think about it and like, I'm very realistic about like trying to teach my son, you know, just letting him figure it out and be curious. But for me, it's like the odds, <laughs> like it's, you just look at the masses, supply and demand. You look at different career paths and look at different situations about life and who you want to be surrounded by and what you want to do. But it's all about like enjoying the process, like you mentioned, that journey of life stages. And, you know, from career to then maybe it is figuring out if you want a family, marriage and all that to then building a foundation of uh, a home and 
some sort of equity or life, right? Like to have choice, freedom to then do things, right? Because a lot of people are busy with a lot of different life stages that you have to figure out. And that career path gives you a good foundation to, to figure out like what you want to do and how to do it. But it gives you a lot more choice if you have clarity, like you mentioned. Yeah, I think, I think you know, life is to me has always been about balance. And um, I, I, don't think, I don't think we're built to wait till we're 70 to start living. I just don't think that's the way people are built. So, you know, you've heard the stories of people that saved their whole life and they never went anywhere. And then they, they, they got to retirement and then God forbid one of them, you know, gets sick or passes away and, and they don't get to take the advantage of all that work. So I, I think... I think there's a balance to life where you have to fill all the buckets. You have to fill the, the spiritual bucket. You have to fill the financial bucket. You have to fill, you know, your, your hobby bucket, your donation bucket, your relationship bucket. You have to fill all those buckets evenly. And, and, and that's why I say, you know, don't wait till you're seven years old to take up golf, play it now. I mean, you, you know, life has no guarantees to it. So if you live a balanced life the whole time and you keep your options realistic and you paint the picture of what your perfect nirvana is, you're going to find yourself having a very stress-free life. One that 90% of the people out there don't have because they, they just don't have the, the information in front of them. And, you know, what's really funny about this, it's so simple. I mean, what, what I'm talking about, if I can do it, Trust me, anyone can do it. So it's just so simple to get this information out there and to start putting it into practice. And I just, I wish more people would do it, which is probably why you and I are talking now. <laughs> well, Ken, this has been so much fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. What's the best uh, way people can reach out to you, check you out, or um, if they have any que questions? Well, a couple of things. Number one, you can go to kenrusk.com. Uh, uh, you can also go to Ken Rusk official on all my social medias. You can see what we're up to there. Um, but I did want to mention one thing though. I do have this course that I put along with the book and, you know, I didn't write this book to make money. I mean, I, my life has been, was really good before I did this. So I tend to donate a lot of my proceeds to charity when I, when I have book sales, um, which is great because it's been a bestseller and I'm, I'm just thrilled to death about that. But so what I do is, for every $99 course somebody buys, it's an eight week course, takes an hour a week. It's real simple, and it, but it'll change the way you think. Uh, for every course that I sell, I donate one to someone in need or someone that they want me to donate it to. So if you buy the course for 99 bucks, you'll get a free book with it. Um, and um, you'll know that you're not only helping yourself, but you're also helping somebody else because um, I'll, a, a course and a book will go to somebody else in your name. And uh, I just think it's incumbent upon all of us to give back as much as we can. And I'm doing my part to make that happen. And I love that, Ken, because making an impact, paying it forward, um, sharing abundance, um, because you realize what it took, but there's a lot of people that need help, need support, yeah. need guidance. So I love that. Well, thanks a lot, Ken. I really want to appreciate this was a lot of fun and we'll stay in touch because you're not too far from Canada. 
I know you're in Ohio, so um, maybe one day we'll get together. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. I really appreciate you having me today and, um, you know, have me back anytime. I, I love talking about this stuff, so I'm happy to help anytime I can. Perfect. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.